Chapter Seventeen of Abraham Lincoln: A History, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne Spiegel. Abraham Lincoln: A History, Volume Two, by John Hay and John George Nicolay. Chapter Seventeen: Beginnings of Rebellion. Disunion was not a fungus of recent growth in American politics talk of disunion threats of disunion accusations of intentions of disunion lie scattered rather plentifully through the political literature of the country from the very formation of the government in fact the present constitution of the united states was strenuously opposed by large political factions and it may almost be said succeeded by only a hair's breadth that original opposition perpetuated itself in some degree in the form of doubts of its duration and prophecies of its failure the same dissatisfaction and restlessness resulted in early and important amendments, but these did not satisfy all dissenters and doubters. Immediate and profound conflict of opinion sprang up over the administration and policy of the new government. Active political parties and hot discussion arose, the one side proclaiming that it was too strong, the other asserting that it was too weak to endure. Before public opinion was well consolidated, the War of 1812 produced new complaints and new opposition, out of which grew the famous Hartford Convention. It has been charged and denied that this was a movement of disunion and rebellion. The exact fact is not important in our day. It is enough that it was a sign of deep political unrest and of shallow public faith. Passing by lesser manifestations of the same character, we come to the eventful nullification proceedings in South Carolina in the year 1832. Here was a formal legislative repudiation of federal authority, with a reserved threat of forcible resistance. At this point disunion was in full flower, and the terms nullification, succession, treason, rebellion, revolution, coercion, constitute the current political vocabulary. Take up a political speech of that period, change the names and dates, and the reader can easily imagine himself among the angry controversies of the winter of 1860. Nullification was half throttled by Jackson's proclamation, half quieted by Clay's compromise, but from that time forward the phraseology and spirit of disunion became constant factors in congressional debate and legislation. In 1850 it broke out to an extent and with an intensity never before reached. This time it enveloped the whole country, and many of the wisest and best statesmen believed a civil war at hand. The compromise measures of 1850 finally subdued the storm, but not till the serious beginning of a succession movement had been developed and put down, both by the general condemnation of the whole country and the direct vote of a union majority in the localities where it took rise. Among these compromise acts of 1850 was the admission of California as a free state. The gold discoveries had suddenly filled it with population, making the usual probation as a territory altogether needless. A considerable part of the state lay south of the line of 36 degrees 30 minutes, and the pro-slavery extremists had demanded that it should be divided into two states, one to be a free and the other to be a slave state, in order to preserve the political balance between the sections in the United States Senate. This being refused, they not only violently opposed the compromise measures, but organized a movement for resistance in South Carolina, Georgia, and Mississippi, demanding redress, and threatening succession if it were not accorded. A popular contest on this issue followed in 1851 in these states, in which the ultra-succession party was signally overthrown. It submitted sullenly to its defeat, 
leaving as always before a considerable faction unsatisfied and implacable only awaiting a new opportunity to start a new disturbance this new opportunity arose in the slavery agitation beginning with the repeal of the missouri compromise in eighteen fifty four and ending with the election of lincoln during this six years controversy disunion was kept in the background because the pro-slavery party had continual and sanguine hope of ultimate triumph it did not despair of success until the actual election of lincoln on the sixth of november eighteen sixty consequently even in the southern states as a rule disunion was frowned upon till near the end of the presidential campaign and only paraded as an evil to be feared not as a thing to be desired this aspect however was superficial under the surface a small but determined disunion conspiracy was actively at work it has left few historical traces but in eighteen fifty six distinct evidence begins to crop out there was a possibility though not a probability that fremont might be elected president and this contingency the conspirators proposed to utilize by beginning a rebellion a letter from the governor of virginia to the governors of maryland and other states is sufficient proof of such an intent even without the evidence of later history richmond virginia september fifteenth eighteen fifty six dear sir events are approaching which address themselves to your responsibilities and to mine as chief executives of slaveholding states contingencies may soon happen which would require preparation for the worst of evils to the people ought we not to admonish ourselves by joint counsel of the extraordinary duties which may devolve on us from the dangers which so palpably threaten our common peace and safety when how or to what extent may we act separately or unitedly to ward off dangers if we can to meet them most effectually if we must i propose that as early as convenient the governors of maryland virginia north carolina south carolina georgia florida alabama louisiana arkansas texas mississippi and tennessee shall assemble at raleigh north carolina for the purpose generally of consultation upon the state of the country upon the best means of preserving its peace and especially of protecting the honor and interests of the slaveholding states i have addressed the states only having democratic executives for obvious reasons this should be done as early as possible before the presidential election and i would suggest monday the thirteenth of october next will you please give me an early answer and oblige yours most truly and respectfully henry a wise his excellency thomas w legon governor of maryland if any explanation were needed of the evident purpose of this letter or of the proposed meeting it may be found in the following from senator mason of virginia to jefferson davis of mississippi who is at the time secretary of war under president pierce selma near winchester virginia september thirtieth eighteen fifty six my dear sir i have a letter from wise of the twenty seventh full of spirit he says the governors of north carolina south carolina and louisiana have already agreed to rendezvous at raleigh and others will this in your most private ear he says further that he had officially requested you to exchange with virginia on fair terms of difference percussion for flint muskets i don't know the usage or power of the department in such cases but if it can be done even by liberal construction i hope you will accede was there not an appropriation at the last session for converting flint into percussion arms if so would it not furnish good reason for extending such facilities to the states 
Virginia probably has more arms than the other southern states, and would divide, in case of need. In a letter yesterday to a committee in South Carolina, I give it as my judgment in the event of Fremont's election, the South should not pause, but proceed at once to immediate, absolute, and eternal separation. So am I a candidate for the first halter. Wise says his accounts from Philadelphia are cheering for old Buck in Pennsylvania. I hope they be not delusive. Vale et salute. Sick. Colonel Davis. In these letters we have an exact counterpart of the later and successful efforts of these identical conspirators, co-jointedly with others, to initiate rebellion. When the senatorial campaign of 1858 between Lincoln and Douglas was at its height, there was printed in the public journals of the southern states the following extraordinary letter, which at once challenged the attention of the whole reading public of the country, and became known by the universal stigma of the Scarlet Letter. In light of after events, it was both a revelation and a prophecy. Montgomery, June fifteenth, 1858 Dear Sir, your kind favor of the 15th is received. I heartily agree with you that, no, general movement can be made that will clean out the Augean stable. If the democracy were overthrown, it would result in giving place to a greater and hungrier swarm of flies. The remedy of the South is not in such a process. It is in a diligent organization of her true men for prompt resistance to the next aggression. It must come in the nature of things. No national party can save us. No sectional party can ever do it. But if we could do, as our fathers did, organize committees of safety all over the cotton states, it is only in them that we can hope for any effective movement, we shall fire the southern heart, instruct the southern mind, give courage to each other, and at the proper moment, by one organized concerted action, we can precipitate the cotton states into a revolution. The idea has been shadowed forth in the south by Mr. Ruffin, has been taken up and recommended in the Advertiser, published at Montgomery, Alabama, under the name of League of United Southerners, who, keeping up their old party relations on all other questions, will hold the southern issue paramount, and will influence parties, legislatures, and statesmen. I have no time to enlarge, but to suggest merely. In haste, yours, etc., William L. Yancey, to James Slaughter, Esquire. The writer of this scarlet letter had long been known to the country as a prominent politician of Alabama, affiliated with the Democratic Party, having once represented a district of that state in Congress, and of late years the most active, pronounced, and conspicuous disunionist in the South. In so far as this publication concerned himself, it was no surprise to the public, but the project of an organized conspiracy had never before been broached with such matter-of-fact confidence. An almost universal condemnation by the public press reassured the startled country that the author of this revolutionary epistle was one of the confirmed fire-eaters who were known and admitted to exist in the South, but whose numbers, it was alleged, were too insignificant to excite the most distant apprehension. The letter was everywhere copied, its author denounced, and his proposal to precipitate the cotton states into a revolution held up to public execration. Mr. Yancey immediately printed a statement deploring the betrayal of personal confidence in its publication, and to modify the obnoxious declaration by a long and labored argument. But in the course of this explanation he furnished additional proof of the deep conspiracy disclosed by the Scarlet Letter. He made mention of a well-considered Southern policy, a policy which has been digested and understood, 
and approved by the ablest men in virginia as you yourselves must be aware to the effect that while the cotton states should begin rebellion virginia and the other border states should remain in the union where by their position and their counsels they would form a protecting barrier to the proposed separation in the event of the movement being successful he continued in time virginia and the other border states that desire it could join the southern confederacy less than ordinary uncertainty hung over the final issue of the presidential campaign of eighteen sixty to popular apprehension the election of lincoln became more and more probable the active competition for votes by four presidential tickets greatly increased his chances of success and the verdict of the october elections appeared to all sagacious politicians to render his choice a practical certainty sanguine partisans however clung tenaciously to their favorites and continued to hope against hope and work against fate this circumstance produced a deplorable result in the south under the shadow of impending defeat the democrats of the cotton states made the final months of the canvass quite as much a threat against lincoln as a plea for breckinridge this preaching of succession seemed to shallow minds harmless election booncombe but when the contingency finally arrived and the choice of lincoln became a real event they found themselves already in a measure pledged to resistance they had vowed they would never submit and now with many the mere pride of consistency moved them to adhere to an ill-considered declaration the sting of defeat intensified their resentment and in this irritated frame of mind the succession demagogues among them lured them on skillfully into the rising tide of revolution in proportion to her numbers the state of south carolina furnished the largest contingent to the faction of active conspirators and to her by common consent were accorded the dangers and honors of leadership such conspiracies work in secret only fragmentary proofs of their efforts ever come to light though probably only one of the many early agencies in organizing the rebellion the following circular reveals in a startling light what labor and system were employed to fire the southern heart after the november election charleston november nineteenth eighteen sixty executive chamber the eighteen sixty association in september last several gentlemen of charleston met to confer in reference to the position of the south in the event of the accession of mr lincoln and the republican party to power this informal meeting was the origin of the organization known in this community as the eighteen sixty association the objects of the association are first to conduct a correspondence with leading men in the south and by an interchange of information and views prepare the slave states to meet the impending crisis second to prepare print and distribute in the slave states tracts pamphlets etc designed to awaken them to a conviction of their danger and to urge the necessity of resisting northern and federal aggression third to inquire into the defenses of the state and to collect and arrange information which may aid the legislature to establish promptly an effective military organization to effect these objects a brief and simple constitution was adopted created a president a secretary and treasurer and an executive committee specially charged with conducting the business of the association one hundred and sixty four thousand pamphlets have been published and demands for further supplies are received from every quarter the association is now passing several of them through a second and third edition the conventions in several of the southern states will soon be elected the north is preparing to soothe and conciliate the south by disclaimers and overtures the success of this policy would be disastrous to the cause of the southern union and independence and it is necessary to resist and defeat it 
the association is preparing pamphlets with this special object funds are necessary to enable it to act promptly the eighteen sixty association is laboring for the south and asks your aid i am very respectfully your obedient servant robert n gordon chairman of the executive committee the half-public endeavors of the eighteen sixty association to create public sentiment were vigorously seconded by the efforts of high official personages to set on foot concerted official action in aid of disunion in this also with becoming expressions of modesty south carolina took the initiative on the fifth of october governor gist wrote the following confidential letter which he dispatched by a secret agent to his colleagues the several governors of the cotton states whom the bearer general s r gist visited in turn during that month of october the responses to this inquiry given by the executives of the other cotton states were not all that so ardent a disunionist could have wished but were yet sufficient to prompt him to a further advance executive department unionville south carolina october fifth eighteen sixty his excellency governor moore dear sir the general probability nay almost certainty of abraham lincoln's election to the presidency renders it important that there should be a full and free interchange of opinion between the executives of the southern and more especially the cotton states and while i unreservedly give you my views and the probable action of my state i shall be much pleased to hear from you that there may be concert of action which is so essential to success although i will consider your communication confidential and wish you so to consider mine so far as publishing in the newspapers is concerned yet the information of course will be of no service to me unless i can submit it to reliable and leading men in consultation for the safety of our state and the south and will only use it in this way it is the desire of south carolina that some other state should take the lead or at least move simultaneously with her she will unquestionably call a convention as soon as it is ascertained that a majority of the electors will support lincoln if a single state secedes she will follow her if no other state takes the lead south carolina will secede in my opinion alone if she has any assurance that she will be soon followed by another or other states otherwise it is doubtful if you decide to call a convention upon the election of a majority of electors favorable to lincoln i desire to know the day you propose for the meeting that we may call our convention to meet the same day if possible if your state will propose any other remedy please inform me what it will probably be and any other information you will be pleased to give me with great respect and consideration i am yours etc william h gist governor thomas o moore executive department raleigh north carolina october eighteenth eighteen sixty dear sir i have the honor to acknowledge the receipt of your favor of the fifth which reached me on the twelfth instant in compliance with your request i will give as accurately as it is in my power to do the views and feelings of the people of north carolina upon the important subject of your communication political differences and party strife have run so high in this state for some years past and particularly during the last nine months that anything like unanimity upon any question of a public nature could scarcely be expected and such is the case with the one under consideration our people are very far from being agreed as to what action the state should take in the event of lincoln's election to the presidency some favor submission some resistance and others still would await the course of events that might follow many argue that he would be powerless for evil with a minority party in the senate and perhaps in the house of representatives also 
while others say and doubtless with entire sincerity that the placing of the power of the federal government in his hands would prove a fatal blow to the institution of negro slavery in this country none of our public speakers i believe have taken the ground before the people that the election of lincoln would of itself be a cause of succession many have said it would not while others have spoken equivocally upon the whole i am decidedly of opinion that a majority of our people would not consider the occurrence of the event referred to as a sufficient ground for dissolving the union of the states for which reason i do not suppose that our legislature which will meet on the nineteenth proximate will take any steps in that direction such for instance as the calling of a convention thus sir i have given you what i conceive to be the sentiment of our people upon the subject of your letter and i give it as an existing fact without comment as to whether the majority be in error or not my own opinions as an individual are of little moment it will be sufficient to say that as a state's rights man believing in the sovereignty and reserved powers of the states i will conform my action to the action of north carolina whatever that may be to this general observation i will make but a single qualification it is this i could not in any event assent to or give my aid to a political enforcement of the monstrous doctrine of coercion i do not for a moment think that north carolina would become a party to the enforcement of this doctrine and will not therefore do her the injustice of placing her in that position even though hypothetically with much respect i have the honor to be your obedient servant john w ellis his excellency william h gist governor of south carolina alexandria louisiana twenty sixth october eighteen sixty his excellency governor gist dear sir your favor of the fifth instant was received a few days ago at this place i regret my inability to consult with as many of our leading citizens as i wished but i will not delay in replying any longer you will of course consider my letter as private except for use in consultation with friends i shall not call a convention in this estate if lincoln is elected because i have no power or authority to do so i infer from your letter that an authority has been vested in you by your legislature to call a convention in a specified contingency our legislature has taken no action of that or any similar kind that body will meet in regular annual session about the middle of january but it is not improbable that i may consider it necessary to convene it at an earlier day if the complexion of the electoral college shall indicate the election of lincoln even if that deplorable event shall be the result of the coming election i shall not advise the secession of my state and i will add that i do not think the people of louisiana will ultimately decide in favor of that course i shall recommend that louisiana meet her sister slaveholding states in council to consult as to the proper course to be pursued and to endeavor to effect a complete harmony of action i fear that this harmony of action so desirable in so grave an emergency cannot be effected some of the cotton states will pursue a more radical policy than will be palatable to the border states but this only increases the necessity of convening the consultative body of which i have spoken i believe in the right of secession for just cause of which the sovereignty must itself be the judge if therefore the general government shall attempt to coerce a state and forcibly attempt the exercise of this right i should certainly sustain the state in such a contest there has never been any indication made by louisiana or by any public body within her limits of her probable course in the event of an election of a black republican president
and she is totally unprepared for any warlike measures her arsenals are empty while some of her sister states have been preparing for an emergency which i fear is now imminent she has been negligent in this important matter if coming events should render necessary the convocation of the southern convention i shall endeavor to compose the representation of louisiana of her ablest and most prudent men if the power shall be vested in me to appoint them however i presume the legislature will adopt some other course in the appointments the recommendations of such a body assembled in such a crisis must necessarily carry great weight and if subsequently ratified and adopted by each state by proper authority will present the south in united and harmonious action i have the honor to be your excellency's obedient servant thomas o moore macon october twenty sixth eighteen sixty his excellency governor gist dear sir your letter of october fifth was handed me by general gist having but few moments to reply i write this more to acknowledge its receipt than to reply to its contents our friends in this state are willing to do anything they may have the power to do to prevent the state from passing under the black republican yoke our people know this and seem to approve such sentiments yet i do not believe mississippi can move alone i will call our legislature in extra session as soon as it is known that the black republicans have carried the election i expect mississippi will ask a council of the southern states and if that council advise secession mississippi will go with them if any state moves i think mississippi will go with her i will write at length from jackson yours respectfully john j pettis executive department milledgeville georgia october thirty first eighteen sixty his excellency w h gist dear sir i have the honor to acknowledge the receipt of your favor by the hand of general grist with whom i have had free interchange of opinions in the event of the election of mr lincoln to the presidency i have no doubt that georgia will determine her actions by a convention of the people which will probably be held before the fourth day of march next her legislature which convenes here next wednesday will have to determine on the time when the convention shall be held my opinion is that the people of georgia will in case of the election of lincoln decide to meet all the southern states in convention and take common action for the protection of the rights of all events not yet foreseen may change their course and might lead to action on the part of georgia without waiting for all the southern states if it should be found necessary to her safety i have handed general gist a copy of my message on our federal relations which will be sent to our legislature on the first day of the session i send only the forms from the press as it is just being put in type i may make some immaterial alterations before it is completed if your state remains in the union i should be pleased that she would adopt such retaliatory measures as i recommend in the message or others which you may determine to be more appropriate i think georgia will pass retaliatory laws similar to those i recommend should lincoln be defeated should this question be submitted to the people of georgia whether they would go out of the union on lincoln's election without regard to the action of other states my opinion is that they would determine to wait for an overt act the action of other states may greatly influence the action of the people of this state this letter is not intended for publication in the newspapers and it has been very hastily prepared i have the honor to be your excellency's obedient servant joseph e brown executive department 
montgomery alabama october twenty fifth eighteen sixty his excellency w h gist dear sir your letter of the fifth instant was handed me a few days since by general gist i fully concur with you in the opinion that lincoln will be elected president and that a full and free interchange of opinion between the executives of the southern states and especially of the cotton states should be had as to what ought to be done and what will be done by them to protect the interest and honor of the slaveholding states in the event he should be elected my opinion is that the election of lincoln alone is not sufficient cause for a dissolution of the union but that fact when taken in connection with the avowed objects and intentions of the party whose candidate he is and the overt acts already committed by that party in nullifying the fugitive slave law and the enactment of personal liberty bills in many of the non-slaveholding states with other acts of like kind is sufficient cause for dissolving every tie which binds the southern states to the union it is my opinion that alabama will not secede alone but if two or more states will cooperate with her she will secede with them or if south carolina or any other southern state should go out alone and the federal government should attempt to use force against her alabama will immediately rally to her rescue the opinions above expressed are predicated upon observation and consultation with a number of our most distinguished statesmen the opinion thus expressed is not intended as a positive assurance but is my best impression as to what will be the course of alabama should lincoln be elected i shall certainly call a convention under the provisions of the resolutions of the last general assembly of the state the convention cannot be convened earlier than the first monday in february next and i have fixed upon that day in my own mind the vote of the electors will be cast for president on the fifth day of december after which it will require a few days to ascertain the result thirty days notice will have to be given after that day upon which the delegates to the convention will be elected and the convention is required to convene in two weeks after the election this is not a matter of discretion with me but is fixed by law i regret that earlier action cannot be had as it may be a matter of much importance that all the states that may determine to withdraw from the union should act before the expiration of mr buchanan's term of service the facts and opinions herein communicated you are at liberty to make known to those with whom you may choose to confer but they are not to be published in the newspapers i have had a full and free conversation with general gist the substance of which is contained in this letter he will however give it to you in more detail it is my opinion that all the states that may determine to take action upon the election of lincoln should call a convention as soon as practicable after the result is known with great respect your obedient servant b moore executive department november ninth eighteen sixty his excellency governor gist dear sir your communication of the fifth ultimo reached me per last mail under cover from general states rights gist with an explanatory note from that gentleman in relation to the subject matters thereof the mode employed by your excellency to collect authoritatively the views of several of the executives of the southern states as to their plan of action in the event of the election of lincoln commends itself warmly to my judgment concert of action can alone be arrived at by full and free interchange of opinion before the executives of the cotton states by whom it is confidentially expected that the ball will be put in motion we are in the midst of grave events and i have industriously sought to learn the public mind in this state in the event of the election of lincoln and am proud to say florida is ready to wheel into line with the gallant palmetto state or any other cotton state or states 
in any course which she or they may in their judgment think proper to adopt looking to the vindication and maintenance of the rights interest honor and safety of the south florida may be unwilling to subject herself to the charge of temerity or immodesty by leading off but will most assuredly cooperate with or follow the lead of any single cotton state which may succeed whatever doubts i may have entertained upon this subject have been entirely dissipated by the recent elections in this state florida will most unquestionably call a convention as soon as it is ascertained that a majority of the electors favor the election of lincoln to meet most likely upon a day to be suggested by some other state i leave to-day for the capital and will write you soon after my arrival but would be pleased in the meantime to hear from you at your earliest convenience if there is sufficient manliness at the south to strike for our rights honor and safety in god's name let it be done before the inauguration of lincoln with high regard i am yours etc m s perry direct to tallahassee p s i have written general gist at union c h two agencies have thus far been described as engaging in the work of fomenting the rebellion the first the secret societies of individuals like the eighteen sixty association designed to excite the masses and create public sentiment the second a secret league of southern governors and other state functionaries whose mission it became to employ the governmental machinery of states in furtherance of the plot these though formidable and dangerous would probably have failed either singly or combined had they not been assisted by a third of still greater efficacy and certainty this was nothing less than a conspiracy in the very bosom of the national administration at washington embracing many united states senators representatives in congress three members of the president's cabinet and numerous subordinate officials in the several executive departments the special work which this powerful central cabal undertook by common consent and successfully accomplished was to divert federal arms and forts to the use of the rebellion and to protect and shield the revolt from any adverse influence or preventative or destructive action of the general government End of chapter seventeen